And welcome back to another edition of Triple Threat. My name is Kyle Jones. I am joined once again by Chance Sticklin and Colt Tusing. And our special guest this week, coming in with all of the knowledge of the WNBA, it's Lauren Rosenberg. So let's start with Chance. How are you doing? Hey, we're, we're hanging in there. It's uh, Everything's well. The NFL draft is wrapped up. Plenty of stuff to get into later in the show. But for sports fans, that was a nice, good break. Um, and the last dance is also just finished up its second uh, set of series last night. So, yeah, everything's good down here. Uh, what about the rest of the crew? Cole, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, you know, trying to stay healthy, trying to, you know, finish off this semester strong. I've got a few exams next week. Um, my 21st birthday is a week from now, eight, seven days away. So, going to figure out how to celebrate my 21st with all everything going on right now. But overall, pretty good. As someone who celebrated his 21st birthday right when the whole corona shutdown was occurring, gather your closest friends who aren't infected, and because you'll be of legal age, indulge yourself. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to give you any sort of hints of how you should indulge yourself, but indulge yourself. And Lauren, our special guest, how you doing? Good. I'm just chilling in Columbia. Um, no roommates now, so I got the whole entire apartment to myself. Um, was really excited about both of the drafts, WNBA and the NFL, so it was kind of a good week of sports for me, so it was a lot of fun. Lauren, right. what's, I, got a, I got one simple little question because I'm not in Columbia, and I know I, well, Kyle is. What's the And this is for both of you guys. Now we're about a month, month and a half into this deal. What's the vibe in Columbia? Kind of what's the – is it dead? Is it slow? Is it eh? – what, what, what can people what, – what can people who aren't in Columbia right now who are students, uh, what's it like? It's weird. Um, oh, it's so strange. Have, have you been on campus at all? Okay, so like two days ago, I think I drove around campus just so I could get the feel of campus considering I will be done with Mizzou in August. So, like, I just kind of drove around, and it was, it was just sad. Yeah, but so Columbia's fine. I was on campus yesterday, and it was weird because I walked around. I was getting B-roll for a broadcast project, and most of campus, ghost town, completely empty. It was, like, scary. Like, I lived here over the summer. So I know what it's like when none of the students are on campus. It was more empty than that, which is really weird. But then I got to the quad, and there was a party going on on the quad. There was like a good 30 people on the quad taking photos and chilling out on blankets and stuff. I was like, oh, man, this is, this is much larger than a group of five, and they are not six feet apart from each other. Yeah, back to celebrations and the whole party theme, you know, as Cole uh, does twenty turn 21, and I know Kyle did um, not too long ago. Several people have really, they've been, they've been pulling these driveway get-togethers where people are pulling into driveways or churches, church, church parking lots, whatever it may be, and they're just in their trunk six feet apart. I had a couple friends do it this past week. Uh, bike rides are a thing. I know that you don't want to ride a bike for an extended amount of miles on your birthday. But I know that that's also an option. But, yeah, I've seen it's really – people are really making the most of this time, and it's really cool to see people adjusting their own lifestyles. Absolutely. 
Well, let's get into the sports, and let's start with something that happened uh, last week, but we have the expert in, the KCOU expert on the WNBA to, uh, to talk about said WNBA draft. And obviously, with, with this one, we, we got to start with the big name, and that's Sabrina Ionescu. So, so let's start there. So let's just um, go to something more recent than Sabrina's draft pick. Diana Taurasi just got on Instagram and was on a four-hour Instagram Live with Sue Bird and Megan Rapino, and then Taurasi's by Penny Taylor joined in in, like, hour three. And Diana Taurasi is very good at not giving direct answers, so she had to go on in this rapid-fire question explaining every reason why Sabrina is going to have the best career out of the whole entire draft. <laughs> so, it's, yeah, that was interesting. And then Subert was like, "No, it's Kennedy Carter out of A and M." But I, so, I, I like this debate though. So, so you you bring up these two, Sabrina and Kennedy Carter, and of course, as as someone who you know pays attention to Texas A and M athletics, I have kept watch on Kennedy Carter for for quite some time. I, I still think that Ionescu is going to have the better career, though I do believe she is hampered uh, because she's on the Liberty, and the Liberty aren't a good basketball team. The Liberty were under the Knicks organization until literally this past offseason when they got um, bought out by the Nets. So I think that's such a better um, – situation for Sabrina and she'll actually be able to grow with New York because now the new management and everything is just kind of like yeah Sabrina like we want you and you're gonna be like the new face in New York and like it's kind of weird saying that like someone probably didn't want to go to New York but I think Sabrina was just so ready but also New York is so guard heavy so that's another big thing with her but everyone knew Sabrina was gonna go number one like that wasn't an issue yeah, let's talk about her teammate, um, Setsu Sabali, going to the Dallas Wings. Because that was an, her, her committing to the draft was not necessarily a shocker, but I mean, that, I think we, we, we kind of didn't see that one coming necessarily. So I kind of did see it coming in a sense because she's too good to pass up on being a number two overall pick. And the way that the, collective bargaining agreement works with draft picks and getting paid is that like the first five I want to say was the first five get paid the exact same thing so it's kind of like going number one overall she would have been number one overall next year or like Tiana Mungakaya from like Syracuse granted that she's able to come back from like her cancer thing as being very strong still that like she would have been number one last um, next year but I know it was a big decision for her because she wanted to play with her sister and her sister was injured. So that was a huge thing. But then she was like, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to leave and I leave Oregon and it's going to be fine. And then she gets drafted number two. What I hated of this draft when Satu got her name called was that, oh my God, this, this just scared, scared me so much is that when Kathy Engelbert, the commissioner, was announcing Dallas's pick, she was like, with the second pick in the 2020 WNBA draft, the Dallas Wings select, and then went on with Satu's name, thinking that 
Dallas was going to go pick Lauren Cox out of Baylor, who's also like a Dallas native. So it scared a lot of people because everyone had Satu going second and Lauren going third. So it was just like, it was such a scary moment. And like, do you remember Kyle last year when we were like, if Sophie gets drafted to Dallas, what are we going to do? Yes. Okay. So that was the thing of like, I was like, if Satu does get drafted to Dallas, what am I going to do? But also I had her going number two and so did like the whole entire world. So I was just kind of like, okay, because I'm an Oregon fan because uh, I have a familial tie with Oregon. So I was, but I like, it's so conflicting when someone from a school you like goes to Dallas in our situation. As, as two Houstonians and sworn haters of the city of Dallas, it's, it's always just a problem. Um, big story, of course, you know, we talk about Sabrina, we talk about Satu. Um, they had another teammate. Ruthie Hebert um, going to the Chicago Sky at eight. So that makes three Oregon Ducks um, going in the top 10 of the first round, which, which makes me, it begs the question. I will ask it. That Oregon Duck team, I don't know if it was the greatest women's basketball team at the collegiate level of all time, but do you think that in the end they were better than number one ranked South Carolina? Oh my gosh. This is such a hard question. I don't think so. You don't I think th- South Carolina was so much better despite being so successful in the depleted SEC. I really think South Carolina actually was better. And I write about the Big 12 for this other place called High Post Hoops. And I was doing – uh, part of our March sadness simulation in, in the final game, um, South Carolina beat Oregon. And it was just through like an algorithm, RPI, strength schedule, all that fun stuff that kind of correlated it all in. And I think South Carolina was the better team. So, as so I mean, painful even, as that is. Even with Oregon beating Team USA. Well, to comment on all the stuff about who is the better women's basketball team this year, South Carolina, Oregon. Oregon had three players drafted in the first round. South Carolina had two players drafted in the first round. And as I was able to do the Mizzou call versus South Carolina, I think South Carolina was the best team in the nation. And I think they would have won the national championship if they were to go up against Oregon. I think so, too. I really do. And that's so painful for us as Mizzou fans to say this. But if I have to, like, be in the whole unbiased type of thing, then honestly, South Carolina was going to win. They clobbered everyone at the SEC tournament. Like, just just steamrolled every single team. And I was just like, they were going to win. It was just going to happen. They were better than Baylor. They were way better than UConn. UConn was having their down year because, oh, no, God forbid that they're not one or two in the nation. They were, like, five. So it was just a matter of the talent that South Carolina has and the culture that Dawn Staley has put out with her team. She has a winning team. She just knows what to do. Lauren, for folks who maybe are listening right now, what, what got you interested in in women's basketball what kind of got you interested and in, you know you mentioned you're your writing for uh i can't remember who it is now um but i know that i i've seen you know your work and it, it is incredible what what got you motivated or what got you what why are you so passionate about women's basketball especially at the professional level i know you are at the mizzou level too as a mizzou student but what kind of excites you about the whole process 
Um, because for a lot of us, we aren't as brushed up as you might be in this area. Uh, give us a little intake on that. Okay, so like how I got into it. Um, I mean, I'm going to go so full disclosure on here. I was never a WNBA fan until like two years ago. Like I'm not even, I barely knew the Comets existed. Like the Houston Comets, they don't exist anymore. Their first dynasty in the W, one of the first four championships, all that yada, yada, yada. Um, I never was a WNBA fan. Not that I hated the W, I wasn't exposed. So like two years ago, I kind of got like really into it just for fun. I don't really know how. And then after Sophie got drafted, I was like, I have a reason to really follow the W now. So that's how I became so passionate about it. And Chance, like, you know, like we sat next to each other in class and I would be working on this whole WNBA giant information thing. I have three teams out of the existing. I don't know how many have been in total. I can't remember the number off the top of my head. But I just kind of like fell in love with it and everything because I think that the passion that women athletes put in is a lot more than males because they really have to like unfortunately they really have to prove themselves and I think that really translates onto the thing now also don't get me wrong I was always a team USA um like Olympic women's basketball fan and then actually I'm more recently a New Zealand fan so like I just kind of love and I love the passion and the grit that they have I, I think it's more entertaining yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, as far as, you know, the, the Mizzou tie, and I know the Sophie Cunningham tie, and really Robin Pinchon, who's the head coach, I know that you have a close connection with a lot of those people on the team. What does it mean to you individually to have that sort of a connection uh, with a team, especially where you attend a university? I think it's something that's so special that a lot of people, even like media members, don't get the opportunity to have like I was very involved with the team without even being on the team and everything obviously I'm not on the Mizzou women's basketball team nor will I obviously ever be so I thought it was just so cool just kind of like getting in touch with coach Pinchton and then one of the assistant coaches coach Putnam and then hanging out with like the coaches getting coffee with them it's something that like a lot of us like will not be able to have and I think it also really helps with media relations because whenever I would go down and everything to say hi to the coaches at the SEC tournament. I know Cole obviously saw me going to say hi to some of the coaches there and they love it because they want fans to come and say hi to them. Yeah, no, absolutely. they're very approachable. Absolutely. For people who don't know, yeah, Lauren is very invested into not only the Mizzou program, but women's basketball in general. Yeah. Um, and another, my, my final point on all of this, other than, you know, the, the great insight that we're, we are fortunate to have here. Uh, on the show, what do, what what are your what are your future endeavors? What do you what are you looking to do if it is basketball related or women's basketball related or media related for that matter? What are your plans or what are you what are you looking forward to doing? You know, five ten years later down in line. So I've had this goal since like freshman year of college, being like I want to cover uh, Team USA in the Olympics. I don't care if it's men's. I don't care if it's women's. I wanted to do, I want to do basketball. I want to cover at the Olympics. Is that going to happen? I don't know. Probably not. But I just kind of like set this goal and standard for myself and everything. I was trying to get as involved as possible 
And like in the times when I thought like I wasn't even going to continue with KCOU, I kind of remembered like they're helping me achieve my goal in like writing and broadcasting and reporting and everything. So that's why I was like, this is what I want to do. Like, I really want to go to a city that has a WNBA team or NBA team and also a good college. So like, for example, Phoenix has Arizona State and the Mercury and Mercury are such a great team that if we ignore last season that I like, I think it'd be so cool to really cover basketball year round. I'm so down with doing volleyball as well. I've covered every single post team, post team, postseason volleyball game for KCOU, like every single one, not even kidding, except for one, one, my freshman year, I didn't do. Also for all of our listeners, um, if they want to go check out your work, where can they go check that out? So I'm working on a website and everything but with my stuff for high post hoops all you have to do is just search my name in high post hoops and then you can see all the writing that i've been doing for them absolutely and unless cole has any more thing to add on top of everything you know i think that that's a that's a good point i mean kyle kyle's got his fingers up so i know kyle wants to say something but i wanted to let lauren kind of speak her mind and kind of get that out there um to kind of inform people uh, on why the WNBA, why women's basketball, and really women's sports for that matter, does play a really a crucial role in lifestyles uh, across the nation. Yep. So before we uh, before we head to our first break, um, we've we've mentioned we've mentioned the name of the queen a few times so far on the show. Uh, Sophie Cunningham, obviously a member of the Phoenix Mercury, and so I must I, I must ask the question. How uh, how has the draft impacted her standing? How is the how have the Mercury improved? Uh, are are we going to see Sophie in the dub next year? I think we'll definitely see Sophie in the dub sometime. She'll be in the W. Um, whether it's with Phoenix, I don't know. But Tarasi loves Sophie's game plan. Tarasi has so much influence on that Mercury team. Not not even counting the fact that she's married to an assistant coach. That, that has nothing to do with it. She's just been there for so long that I think Soph will end up saying or she's fighting for that last roster spot. She's fighting to be the 12th. It's also a big thing on salary cap issues as well. And the Mercury did something not so smart in the offseason by signing this one player who's not really that proven to a, like, Supermax deal that's completely protected. And I think that really kind of messed things up for her, but also other people. It's gonna it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be an interesting off season once training camp starts. Whenever training camp starts, if there's even a season. And of course, the the huge thing with the Mercury last season, probably the the main reason that they really didn't have as good of a year as previous seasons uh, was injuries and a kind of depleted squad, very similar to Mizzou basketball. Yeah, like the injuries with Tarasi are so unfortunate. Then Brittany Griner also got injured in like the playoffs, but then she got suspended three games for a fight with um, Christina Nigue. That fight was wow. I just remember I was in my living room and I literally screamed, and my mom comes running in. It's like, what happened? I'm like, Brittany Griner's gotten to a huge fight. And we know Brittany Griner really well because she's from Houston. So that was just like, it was just so unfortunate. You had so many people get injured, some rookies. But Sophie did shine when she could. When she got the minutes, she knew what she was doing. She should have been a first-round pick. I Like Kyle, I, Kyle 
we've talked about this before. If she didn't go to Mizzou, she would have been a first-round pick. Yeah, I think if she'd wound up – she would have gotten minutes with a program like South Carolina, Oregon, UConn. Had she gone there, I could have definitely seen her going in that in that first round. But she was definitely a, you know, a big fish in a little pond at, at Mizzou. Yeah, definitely. But let's, uh, let's head to our first break. It's Triple Threat brought to you by Stickland and Dryer Law Firm. We'll be right back, and we're going to be talking more about women's basketball, specifically Mizzou women's basketball, and then NFL draft after that. So stay tuned. It's Triple Threat. Coolio. Um, okay, what points, uh, Case, do you want to make or do you want to talk about with Mizzou women's hoops? They're in like a pretty similar situation of last year, scholarship wise, but also they have such a a more talented team. Okay, Cole, are you uh, are you still in existence, or did you just leave for lunch? He's muted. Okay, um, I was I posting did. something on Twitter. In the oh, Kyle, we of, never in, got to, in the middle uh, of our show, bro. Yeah, it was related to um, Texas. Oh boy, Erica Gumake. We didn't oh, get yeah. We'll talk about E. I like E. All right, so I am going to, if, if it's fair with Cole and Kyle, unless you guys have to, I'm going to let Case just have the floor in this segment because um, I am not brushed up enough to talk about Mrs. Women's basketball, like, credibility-wise. I know the coach, and I know that's about it. I know a couple of the players, but I know that Case has a lot of information, um, and it's good information that, you know, me, Kyle, and Cole don't necessarily know. So unless you guys have a lot, I, I'd like to have her, you know, take the floor. Well, I have some stuff, but obviously Case is the expert on this. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Cole was also at the tournament. So. For sure. Exactly. Exactly. So that's another, that's another big advantage. So, all right, Kyle, we can, let's, let's bring it back. Let's do it. Count me in with a five. And welcome back to Triple Threat, brought to you by Stickland and Dryer Law Firm, Kyle Jones, Chance Stickland, Cole Tusing, and our special guest, Lauren Roseberg, talking right now about women's basketball. We'll get into that NFL draft a little bit later, but let's talk right now about Mizzou women's basketball. The Tigers coming off one of their worst seasons in recent memory, uh, and due to a large part because they had very few players on the roster and the players that were on there got injured. We're looking to hopefully have a, a better round of fortune uh, when, when basketball starts up next winter. Lauren, you are the uh, women's basketball, you know, expert for KCU and you always have a knack for getting the scoop on the hoops. So, uh, so let, let me hear what you got on Mizzou women's basketball for the upcoming season, what can we look forward to? You can definitely look forward to better guard play, like ridiculously better guard play. And it's going to start with Shug Dixon is such a true point guard. She did so well at Tulsa. I can't remember her exact stats. I want to say it was like 12, 11 points per game in her career at Tulsa before she transferred to Texas Tech. And she also never played at Texas Tech. Just a fun fact right there. She transferred mid-season her sophomore year from Tulsa to Tech then transferred from Tech to Mizzou. And also, if the NCAA um, does that one-time transfer rule thing, that's not going to be able to fly anymore. So that's going to be interesting. But she's a true point guard. She can shoot. She can shoot from three, shoot the mid-range. She can drive. She can pass. That's going to be something that Mizzou missed so much when Lauren Aldridge graduated. 
Um, Shannon Duffesee from Australia, transferred from Utah State, shined her junior year, and she is a guard forward. She can stretch the floor, shoot three. She's like practically a three. She's she's basically a small forward, but she can play the two, the four. She's gonna help spread that floor so much. She's gonna give a height threat, a defensive threat. It's gonna be really fun. Nadia Green and Cole can remember this, I'm sure. And then we'll get back to the other player I'm going to mention with Nadia. But at the SEC tournament, at the buzzer, Ellie Brown stole the ball and then gave it to a driving Nadia Green in transition for, like, a beautiful layup, if you remember that, Cole. And I think it ended, like, the first half. And she's coming back. Is she going to get a lot of minutes this upcoming year? I don't know. Ellie Brown left the team. So she's not on Mizzou women's basketball team anymore. So that's if I that's okay. Go go, Kyle. If I remember correctly, she is uh, she's not leaving Mizzou though. It's not like she's transferring. She's leaving the basketball team and jo- joining track and field. Is that correct? Yes. And in halftime of the first game against Ole Miss in the SEC tournament, her mom was honored and everything because her mom was an Olympian for track and field. So that that's something that Ellie can do easily. And I think it's also kind of a reality check for Ellie because she really, even this year, never played. Yeah, she, she got very they were And they had no one. Yeah, extremely limited minutes. So I, I don't really see that as being a big factor of gameplay for Mizzou. So I'm not really worried about that. Um, Haley Troop is also a very good point guard, but she can shoot the three. I think she's more of a shooting guard. Also, the fact that Mizzou stole her from South Carolina just warms my heart so much. I'm just so happy about that. Um, And then another South Carolina steal is LaDasia Williams, who Dave Matter said that at the end of the season said that she is easily the best center power forward that Mizzou has and if she was able to play last year would not have the result would not have been what the result was she barely played at South Carolina and she was like a top 25 or a top 50 forward and she was just a former five star so she is someone who is going to contest South Carolina after not playing at South Carolina because Don Sailors didn't give her minutes because that team is way too stacked. Like, it, she's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Michael Linthicum's coming off her redshirt freshman season. She was at every game. She's another six foot four uh, center power forward. It's going to be a lot of fun having her, Jeff City native. She, uh, okay, I was waiting for you to throw that in. I wanted, I wanted to make sure for people listening because a lot of people, we, we might not know where they are coming from, but I know Michael was one of those players that was coming from around the uh, Columbia area. So, that, yeah, it is great to see yeah. talent uh, that Mizzou keeps adding, like Sophie. Exactly. Just kind of keeping them here. And Micah, I think it's like a fourth, fifth-year generation Tiger anyway. So, if she didn't come, then that would be an interesting thing. Um, and then we got – and I'm, I'm going to get to the other stars later. Don't, I'm not forgetting, not forgetting the other two who will be named, so don't worry about that. And we got our freshman coming in. Jayla Kelly is six foot three. She's also from, I think she's from, she's from St. Louis, Chesterfield. Went to Park Central. So like she's six foot three in the center. So now we're getting more height. We're getting the height coming back in. The tallest player on the active roster last year was Hannah Shoots at six foot two. 
So we're, we're getting, Mizzou's getting height. That's, that's a big thing. Got another Australian guard coming in, Sarah Rose Smith. So more Australian ties. I think, and I'll get to this in a second, but I think Sophie had a really big influence on Smith coming in. So we get another Smith. So we just lost Amber Smith or Mizzou just lost Amber Smith, but now we're getting another Smith. We're fine. Um, we got this Spaniard who's played in international competitions named Mama Dembele. And she is a great point guard. I think she's very underrated. And uh, Coach Pinchon has a good knack of getting international players over to Columbia. And why would they want to choose mid-Missouri? I don't know. But she's going to be another fun, true point guard. And one of my favorite things is we – or Mizzou just stole someone from Auburn. Auburn beat Mizzou in the last game of the regular season. I was on the call for that. And Lauren Hansen, she's really good. Will she sit out? That depends on the NCAA. Haley Frank from Stratford, Missouri. Who doesn't know about Haley Frank, honestly? Um, she shined her freshman year. I don't think a lot of people expected that. Uh, she was – got the second, third leading scorer on this Mizzou squad behind none other than Asia Blackwell from Berkeley, Missouri. Asia, there was some speculation on if Asia was going to come back to Mizzou after that SEC tournament loss against Tennessee. And I know Cole knows this very well. I was freaking out in the drive back from Greenville. Because I didn't know, and I was scared. I was terrified. And I'm not going to have any Mizzou affiliation when I'm gone, because, aside from being an alum. But Asia is this program changer. And SEC freshman, like, all freshman team with Haley Frank, she can, you know, create her shot, drive, very aggressive. She flexes after every foul call or and one. And, like – Asia is such a special thing, but I think, and this might be controversial, that Haley Frank is the next Sophie. I'd actually agree with that. Um, I don't think that's controversial at all. I think Haley Frank gave me a bit, a lot more of a Sophie vibe than uh, than Asia did last season. Asia's more of a drive the lane kind of, almost a blend of Amber Smith and Akira Levy. Okay. She's going to, like, I got to give a shout-out to Akira. She's going to star at Vanderbilt. She's going to be great. I'm so excited to watch her play next season because I may be leaving Mizzou, but I'm going to be watching those games. So, Absolutely. like, because why wouldn't I, honestly? Um, Haley, yeah, reminds me so much more of Sophie. I think Haley's more of the program changer than Asia, especially because Haley was the most consistent out of those two throughout the whole entire season. She can um, make free throws. Asia has very, very big trouble making free throws, and that's a little bit of an issue when a lot of the games that Mizzou lost, like against Nebraska, were because of missed free throws by one Asia Blackwell. And that's not obviously like a push and a, push and a shove from her talent. She did improve throughout the season. She improved the most in conference play, and the SEC is – everyone knows is huge. So, like – Asia's just going to be great. Haley's going to be great. This team is going to be good because now they have height. And like I said this earlier, but I'm going to have to say that again, is that Mizzou needed height. That was an issue. When you have Hannah Schutz, who's 6'2", and also not an interior offensive threat, 
And then you have Jayla Kelly and Michael Linthicum and LaDasia Williams who are going to live inside the paint. It's going to be, it's going to be an interesting year. And I think that the starting lineup is going to drastically change. And one more interesting one. She won't be here this upcoming season, but uh, the year after, when we talk about generational tigers, Sarah Linthicum, the sister of Micah, uh, signed a, you know, committed to Mizzou, and so she'll be on the team in two years. So a, a fun little, yeah. a fun little chain of Linthicums. Um, and, and Cole, I think, I think you and I had this discussion, um, and we kind of wondered. Actually, you know, you know who made the remark? It was my, it was my mother. Your um, mom. This is gonna be interesting. I'm ready. Let's she, go. She made the remark that um, she wondered if Micah and Sarah would be similar to Lindsay and Sophie. Because we've got these two sisters coming in. They're, they're about two years apart, two, three. Um, and they'll be on the same team for at least a season. Yeah, well, Sophie and Lindsay, I think, are like four because Lindsay did take red shirt her freshman year. I think they're like four years apart. Regardless, sister, that's going to be interesting. But there's also a different dynamic. Now, obviously, I haven't seen Micah play. I haven't seen Sarah play. Um, and we're not going to – like, we will not be able to see Sarah play for two seasons. But that's going to be really interesting because they have that chemistry already pre-built, and I think that's going to help this team so much. When you get the siblings coming in, that's, that's just, like, going – it's going to be fun. And I think this upcoming season is going to be fun. There's three open scholarships right now. So expect sometime in the near future for some uh, more commitments coming in. Um, three open scholarships. I mean, that was a huge thing. But then I also want to talk about the people who are leaving or have left. Um, Amber Smith, Jordan Chavis, Jordan Roundtree, and Hannah Schutz. Hannah Schutz, exterior threat from three. That's going to be missed a lot. Um, Chavis, same thing from three, a uh, sharpshooter. She can shoot the ball from literally everywhere on that court. So like, that's going to be missed when she was out with her concussion for like two games that, that was, um, she was very much missed and everything. I think Mizzou could have won those games if she had been healthy and was not concussed. No one less concussions. I hated my concussion. Not fun. Um, Roundtree, I think, was one of the, like, the most athletic on the team. So that's – because also her – she's a family of Olympians as well. So, like, that's – she has that. But then Amber Smith is, I think, out of that senior class. So, like, my senior class is going to be the most missed overall. Her She has WNBA talent. Whether or not she makes a roster, which I highly doubt she will, is going to be dependent on if she gets signed with a training camp contract and last time I checked she was in contact with Indiana so Indiana Fever her agent Indiana Fever and the Seattle Storm for training camp contracts and then she'll thrive overseas I would not be shocked if she goes to Australia and plays for Melbourne just like Sophie did um and then Brittany Garner six foot four uh in the portal has been since January was still a student at Mizzou um she barely played, but she when she played, she was pretty good when she got the minutes. But I think she realized that she wasn't going to get a lot of minutes anyway, so she kind of just entered herself in the portal. 
um, those are the five people who are leaving. But then, like I said, we have, or Mizzou has so many people just coming in that are going to be able to hopefully improve this roster. And like I also said at the beginning of this, that this starting lineup is going to be strange. It's going to be very weird. Um, you have the lock-in on Asia and Haley are going to be starting 100%. Haley, Frank, not true. Um, and I think Shug Dixon, Shannon Duffesey, and Ladeja Williams are going to be joining it. So you're having four newcomers to the starting lineup. That's a big deal. It'll be interesting to see. Um, knock on wood for Mizzou fans that we have something that that is better in any way than last season because last season was kind of – catastrophic in nature but let's take another break when we come back nfl draft the big happening of the past week we're gonna break it down as much as we can the highlights the twists the turns triple threat brought to you by stickle and dry law firm we'll be right back and welcome back to triple threat brought to you by stickle and dry law firm let's get into the nfl draft and our very own cole tusing has himself some winners and losers of this year's NFL draft, Cole, give them to me. Who's the winners and why is it Denver? So my first winner is the <laughs> Denver it. Broncos. And I know a lot of Mizzou fans are going to appreciate my list and why the Denver Broncos I find as the winner, because take a look at the offense that Denver Broncos now have. They have Jerry Judy out of Alabama, which let's just take a moment of silence. Let's just think of the Alabama prowess wide receivers they've had in the NFL in the last few years. Is Amari Cooper good? Oh, yeah. Is Calvin Ridley good? Oh, yeah. Is Julio Jones good? Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't worry. Cooper, Don't worry. Cooper's good. I hope Cooper wasn't sarcasm because he is good. He is. Yeah. He's, all three he of them are Dallas. really good. And okay. Calvin Ridley just okay. finished off his rookie year at the Falcons. They have Corlin Sutton, who is their WR1, who just made his first Pro Bowl. You have Melvin Gordon, who's a two-time Pro Bowl. If it wasn't for the contract situation, he would have had four straight seasons with 1,000 rushing yards a season. You have Albert O with the Mizzou connection coming back. And to top it all off, I know Mizzou fans are going to appreciate this a lot more. Last two MVPs, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, set out the rookie year to learn the playbook. Drew Locke did the exact same thing. Last two MVPs have won the MVP award. And they were on the cover of Madden 20. So I'm going to make a prediction. Oh, boy. Drew Locke is going to win the MVP and he's going to grace the cover of Madden 21. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Okay, Hot take two sing going at it again, y'all. Because I, I am the Chiefs blood in the house. So I have to, I've got to comment on that. So you're telling me if next season, if it does happen, assuming COVID 19 does smoothen out, you're telling me you think Drew Locke, Mizzou made, and now one year under his, under his belt at Denver. You think he's going to win the MVP, which means the most valuable player in the National Football League. You think that that's credible? I mean, if it's credible, think of the last two MVPs did the exact same because thing. Because I will Holmes tell you what, Lamar Jackson. I, and, I, and I agree. Lamar Jackson had a – don't get me wrong. He had a hell of a career – not a career, hell of a season last season with, with, you know, with Baltimore, and then they tanked in the playoffs. I just think – I think you're rushing too quickly with Drew. I don't think Drew's quite there yet. I think he's got another season potentially before he takes that next step. He's going to take a giant step, 
But I don't think – because if you look at the numbers Mahomes posted in his rookie year, they weren't similar to Drew. And I think I – think and I, I, love, I love Drew. I will always support Drew. But I don't think that jumping to MVP next season is on the table just quite yet. Here's my one deal with that, though. And this is, this is where Drew might actually have a chance. Quarterback is only as good as his receiving core. And Absolutely. it's only as good as his offensive line. What did the Broncos do this year? They drafted Jerry, Jerry Judy, right? They got him offensive tackles. They yeah. got him tight ends. They reunited Drew with Albert Okawabinom. Yeah. And we know how that worked. A healthy Okawabinom combined with yeah. a Drew Lock at his height, which you know he will be. I mean, I'm not going to make any blanket predictions. Yeah. But y'all better watch out for the Denver Broncos this year. They- At least on the offensive side. Plus, they got Von Miller on the defense, man. And Von Miller is one of the greatest defenders in the NFL. But it, it will be I, – I, and I have, I have really since Saturday afternoon, evening, I've had multiple conversations, one of them being Joey Miller, who thinks Denver is the next Super Bowl team. But – That's the thing. Who's also, who, for people who don't know, KCU staffer. But I've had a conversation with him and other people. The AFC West will be competitive – but I only think that two teams, I still think that your Las Vegas Raiders in their first year, and I think the LA Chargers are still going to be bottom of the barrel in the West. But I do think that, oh, Albert O, that being going to Denver, Judy, I think having a, a healthy Von Miller, Drew playing, you know, Drew, Drew football that we all know from Missouri at the National Football League, I think that that team will develop a lot. And I think that it will be very competitive. It's going to be a hard division. It's not going to be a cakewalk by any means uh, for the Chiefs. Jumping out of the AFC West because a lot of other stuff happened. I don't want to spend the entire segment on that. But looking at other teams across the board, of course, we all knew Joe Burrow was going number one to Cincinnati. Hopefully he can help the Bengals out. They had a lot of picks, um, as did Miami, as did the Vikings. Uh, some other teams to kind of talk about. Uh, and I know Cole's you know, itching to talk about Chicago and kind of what they did in the draft. So Cole, what's your uh, give us your uh, your Cole's got his Cole's like I don't know if we're gonna be good or not. But let's talk about Chicago. What did Chicago? What did what did they do in this draft to improve their roster? Keyword is improve, and I'm gonna talk about that in a minute. So my second improved team that was a winner in the NFL draft was the Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson. Last year, the Ravens had one of the best defenses in the NFL. Who are the first two picks that the Baltimore Ravens took in the NFL draft? Malik Harrison and Patrick Queen, who were defensive superstars in the national championship. (laughs) That squad, they did not need to improve the offense. The offense was just fine. It was only the defense that needed the boost, and you are exactly right. They did what needed to be done. You, know? you also drafted J.K. Dobbins, the running back of Ohio State, which do I need to go on the list of Ohio State running back alumni, Carlos Hyde, Archie Griffin, Eddie George, Ezekiel Elliott, with an I, offense that already has Marquise Brown, Mark Ingram, Lamar Jackson, Hayden Hurst. That team is – Baltimore dead. Ravens are really good. That team is deadly. No, absolutely. And I think that back to Dobbins, I know Dobbins was one of the guys – that was still on the board when the Chiefs had the 32nd pick in the first round. And he was still on the board with DeAndre Swift and a couple other guys. And ultimately, they decided to go with, you know. Clyde Edwards will lay out of LSU. Yeah, so uh, I don't know why I went blank there for a second. But, yeah, no, and a, a tiny little running back. And actually, 
Tyreek Hill came out in a statement and tweeted out, I am no longer the shortest player on the team, which I thought was really funny and really silly. Um, but looking at other guys, you know, uh, Chase Young, of course, went number two. Um, Fromm went super late. Jacob Eason also went super late. Um, Swift, uh, I think I, I believe he's a Detroit Lion. Um, so a lot of, you know, and I, and, I, and I was talking to my brother and my dad about this while we were watching this draft class was so stacked, and there were really phenomenal athletes across the board. Of course, LSU, of course, Alabama, uh, Ohio State, for that matter. I mean, three of the top, first top picks were Buckeyes, but it was a stacked class, and I'm really, uh, I'm really excited to kind of see what the NFL, uh, you know, how how it's going to evolve over the next couple of years. Absolutely, Cole. You said I believe it was three winners and a loser. Am I correct? So, so the Three winners, and Colin, no, you're not going to appreciate this being the Houston fan, but my third winner was oh, the no. Dallas Cowboys. Oh, no, I mean, I think it's fair. I mean, it's, it's, not like, I mean, it's not like Houston really did much in the draft, but the Cowboys got CeeDee Lamb in the first round, and I think that was a great pick for And them. people argue, did they really need to draft him? That's an argument that I've seen. Do I they really he, need help at the receiving core? I think, I think they did. I think it was a smart move. Um, getting CeeDee Lamb and Trayvon Diggs, Great moves. Would you agree, Cole? Why are oh, they- yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Cowboys drafted Trevon Diggs, who is considered a first-round pick. They got him in the second round to replace Byron Jones, who's now on the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a great move. You know, Trevon Diggs, cornerback at Alabama. I mean, you've got the Alabama pedigree. You've got the SEC defense, which is, you know, the best defending, you know, conference in the nation. I, I think that that was a – I think it was a great pick. Another uh, Mizzou player that we should mention, too, that also went first off the board was Jordan Elliott. He is Love a, Jordan. Oh, I can I go on about Jordan. I believe he's going to Cleveland. Yes. Um, my own Tristan Colon Castillo went undrafted, but he did sign with Baltimore. Uh, a couple guys went out west to play for – or they signed with San Francisco. I know Yasir Durant signed with the Chiefs. Um, so, a lot, of, a lot of Mizzou talent that came out. It just tells you kind of what the – Two of the guys uh, signed with the Titans. I know uh, Tucker, McCann Tucker McCann signed with the Titans. And, and, then two, and then two of them went to the Bay Area. Uh, so. Tucker McCann AC, and Cal Garrett went to the Titans. Yeah, that's what it was. And then um, DeMarcus AC was the one in the Niners. Absolutely. So uh, Mizzou had plenty of talent um, really off the board. And that was really under – I mean, Barry really produced – not the credit for all of them. But I thought that he really that was a, that was a that was a packed roster that he had there that he was working with, um, and kudos to him. Uh, you know, wishing him good luck at Arkansas, and hopefully Drinkwitz can build up the same chemistry uh, with those players he's got coming in as transfers and returning players. And then, uh, so who's the loser, Cole? <laughs> Who lost? Going the back to my previous point, that chance unfortunately spoiled my loser uh, for the draft was. My unfortunate Chicago Bears, <laughs> because you loser over the Packers. The Packers totally. I'll, so Packers needed to draft a wide receiver. I'll Cole. Explain, so I'll so I'll explain why I picked the Packers. And as a Bears fan, I am happy that the Packers didn't have a good NFL draft. So let's just take a look at the Bears situation. Two years ago, the Bears with Mitch Trubisky, who had the third best QBR in the league. Went 
they won the NFC North. And then, of course, thanks to Cody Parkey's uh, double-doink field goal against the Eagles at Soldier Field, the Bears were eliminated in the wild card of the playoffs. I will never the following remember. year, the team went 8-8 eight and eight and missed the playoffs. So the two biggest concerns, the two biggest needs for the Bears was offensive tackles and offensive guards. The Bears waited until the seventh round with their final two picks to address the biggest need and took unknowns Arlington Hambright from Colorado and Lachavius Simmons from Tennessee State. The second reason why I think the Bears had the worst, had a loss NFL draft is they just overpaid Jimmy Graham in the offseason. So now they have going to the NFL draft, they had nine tight ends. Nine tight ends. First- I have never come across any team that has nine tight ends. I, I, I'm, I'm just shocked by that number. And for those like people who aren't listening or aren't aware of like how NFL teams work, when week one, the NFL season starts, you can have three tight ends to your roster. Everyone else is on train camp. So go to the NFL draft. The t- Bears had nine tight ends. With their first pick in the second round, they take a tight end, Cole Komet from Notre Dame, who I love the guy. I watch film on him. He's a great blocker. He – you know, fights for every yard. He's a great catcher. But with the NFL transition to a more block-heavy tight end where you have guys like George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, who are not only threats on the offense, but they're able to block, he is not the best blocker, and that's a big weakness of his. And, of course, you know, when you already have a surplus of tight ends and you take another tight end without addressing the biggest need, Another reason why I think the Bears didn't have a great NFL draft was because they took Jalen Johnson with their Nets pick, the cornerback from Utah. Now, talent-wise, this guy's amazing. If injuries weren't an issue, which that was the biggest reason he fell this far, he would easily be a top 10, top 15 pick, easily, and probably be the second cornerback taken off the board after Jeff Okuda of Ohio State. He made the all-Pac-12 team twice. He led the Utes interceptions last year. He watches film more than anyone. He has the comments that he's the best player on the field. But as I mentioned, injuries are the biggest concern. He's had three surgeries in four years. Yeah, I think another guy to keep an eye out too with injury and prone and related. I know that, you know, during the combine, this was one thing you focused on was Tua Tagovailoa, who uh, is down south now playing for the Dolphins. So then that's another guy to keep your eye out for. But yeah, you know. Chicago did what they did, and at the end of the day, you know, it's whatever the front office decided to do. It's not what Cole Tusing decided to do. Cole Tusing probably would have gone a different route, as would have a lot of Bears fans. Um, and I know the same can be said for, you know, all of our teams really respectively. Um, I don't know, man. I think, I think the, the Texans drafted based they, how I wanted them to. They, yeah, the Giants did that for me as well. The Giants drafted the way it I wanted It was funny. My brother's a big Giants fan, and he was really shocked to get Andrew Thomas as their first pick off the board, an offensive tackle. He was like, who is this guy, and why are they going after him first? Dude, you got to get Danny Dimes some protection. That was you, you, the best pick, in my opinion. My, my point but then they got was, Matt Pearl in the third. They were, they were fine. Zach Berman yeah. and I literally talked about Andrew Thomas, and we were both like, we like this. Like, point, I liked it. The it's point, a great point. The point being is I think that there were other offensive tackles that were better um, for him in the draft. Nah, I mean, my brother ranked Tristan Wirfs, you could make a good shot with him. My brother ranked him, him my brother Andrew ranked, Thomas. Brother ranked him as fourth. 
Okay, we've also seen, like, firsthand Andrew Thomas playing against Mizzou. Andrew Thomas knows what he's doing against SEC defenses. I think he's going to be fine. Just on Jordan Elliott. And Jordan Elliott, you know, we know his pedigree. He was one of the best defensive tackles, and he shut him down. Yeah, exactly. So so it's a great pick in my eyes. One more pick we got to cover before we sign off. Jordan Love, man. What in the world? And the Green Bay, like, traded up to get him. Bears fans rejoice that the fact that the Packers picked Jordan Love, Bears fans can rejoice at something with the NFL draft. My, I think the, the, the thing is, right, you look at this pick, and the, there was one thing that you needed to get for Aaron Rodgers. The one thing he did not have was, A, he did not have an offensive line. That's why he broke his collarbone because he wasn't getting protection. And B, he didn't have any wide receiving talent, so he was getting sacked because he couldn't throw to anybody, right? What are they going to do instead of fixing that problem for your franchise quarterback, who's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time? Jordan Love, apparently. Who has, like, what, Rodgers has, like, four years left on his contract, three or something, after signing that extension. I was just, I was, like, flabbergasted. I was like, what are you doing, Green Bay? Wide receiver! I'm ready for I, – I have a feeling Aaron Rodgers leaves the Green Bay Packers maybe not this season, but maybe next. And I think, I think New England, as weird as it sounds, that might be his landing spot, and he might go play with Bill Belichick. And I'll say this right now as soon as, soon as – okay, okay, that's a good point. He retires a Packer. You think he retires a Packer? I, I do. So. I think he's still, got, he's still got some years left. And I think, if Tom Brady – so I guess I this question I post a chance. If Tom Brady retires as a Packer, do you think Tom Brady's going to retire as a Patriot? Yeah. See, see, I, he will have no doubt. to. Okay, so you're telling me that you think if he plays maybe one, two, maybe three seasons with Tampa, he's going to retire. But there is absolutely no way. He will absolutely 100% retire. He'll probably get a tattoo of Belichick's last name on his back because that's how connected he is to him. Oh, my God. But I think all jokes aside, I was a joke. All jokes aside, yeah, he will absolutely one hundred percent. He'll do like a he'll do like a one day contract, and he'll do a one day contract yep. and hires a pat. I think that's that's probably not a bad assumption. Um, that's what Andre Johnson did with the Texans. But we yeah. thought we thought that Brett Favre was going to retire as a Packer, and we yeah. saw how that worked. And absolutely. All I'm saying is, we knew it was stupid when Brett Favre did it, but the thing is, Brett Favre will always be regarded as one of the best players of all time. Guys are going to want to match that, you know? So you're going to see guys saying, hey, Brett Favre unretired and failed. I'm going to unretire and not fail. I'm going to go to a new franchise and not fail. And you could see that from Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. I would not be surprised. No, on the Brett Favre thing for a second, uh, I was watching season 10 of Big Brother because I'm just going back with all the quarantine stuff. I got a lot of time. Um, in Big Brother, you're completely cut off from the outside world. So there was a competition that was like, is this news real? Is the headline real or is the headline fake? And this guy who was a huge Packers fan, when Brett Favre came out, one of the things was like, Brett Favre has come out of retirement, signed with the Jets. And this guy was like, no way. Like, he that didn't happen. And then the answer was, yes, he did. And the, the um, house guest was like, what? Like, how did that happen? So that just reminded me of that because I also just finished that season like a week ago. So I was just like, I was like, oh my gosh, like, thank you, Kyle, because I had to get that in here. 
That's hilarious. Well, anyway, that's a great that's a great thing to end the show on. So let's wrap things up. Thanks for tuning in to Triple Threat once again. We'll be back next week. More content, more sports stuff, wherever we can find it. We are scrapping every inch of the earth trying to find you sports content, and we will be back. Thanks for tuning in. For, uh, for Chance and Cole, I say thank you. And once again, Lauren, thank you for coming on and uh, giving us your expertise. And uh, Triple Threat. See you next week. Coolio. Okay. Um, let me. <coughs> uh,